We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Field of 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68. After that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68. After dark, we are live here on Stadium. We are live on the Field of 68 YouTube channel. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jeff Goodman with me, who is hammering yet another beer after he finally figured out how to be able to turn on his microphone. Yes, that happened. We'll talk about that at some point, maybe in the last call. And I have Doug Gottlieb here with me, uh, fresh off the West Coast. Doug, what's going on, man? It's good to see you. Goodman. Never all that great to see you. We got a lot to talk about today, guys. The SEC headliners were in action. Auburn. Oh, do you stop? Stop! Kentucky, stop with the SEC! No. Stop with the SEC! Look! Look at well, the smile on his face. Me, yeah, let me look see at the smile on his face. I got a whole play in here, Doug. I got a whole play in here. So Houston beat the brakes <laughs> off of Texas Tech in the Fertitta Center. They're up by twenty-three right now as that game goes final. We got to get into the Big Twelve, Doug. I want to hear your takes on that conference as a whole. Can the Big Twelve? get 11 teams into the dance. And there were a bunch of teams that took some ugly losses tonight. I'm not sure if there was one worse than Texas blowing a 12-point halftime lead on their own floor. But, guys, number one team in the country at home, hold Creighton to 48 points. Goodman, I know it kills you. I know you hate to see other people happy when their team win. And I know, <laughs> no, I, I know it drives you insane because these no. UConn fans – Mr. Hopwalls, you're not a big fan of him, uh, but the Huskies. I, I, look, I'll, I have I have my takes on this game, and I have my opinions on this game, and I'm going to wait and let you guys say what you got to say first. But uh, I thought that was a very very impressive performance, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. Goodman, UConn, 62, Creighton, 48. Go ahead, the floor is yours. Man, they're they're effing good. I I I hate to have you on this show. I mean, that's the only thing. If it was like me, Doug, and anybody else. It would be an awesome show tonight, but because I have to say good things, I'm just going to look at Doug as I say all the good things about the UConn Huskies. I love this team. I mean, I do. I love this team because they play the right way. They play hard as shit. They're well coached. They're they're mentally tough and they're physically tough. 
and, and now you're bringing in Donovan Klingon into the fold. And, you know, he played about 15 minutes tonight. Um, and he's diving on the floor, like literally like laying. And every time he falls to the floor, I'm like, oh, man. And, and his, his legs are going everywhere. His foot's falling in, in kind of a weird spot. And I'm like, no, do not dive. Just honestly, just protect yourself. But um, this team, they might be the front runners to, to win the whole thing. Like they might be a quarter of a step above Purdue when I look at them and I say, if they have a healthy Donovan Klingon. And, and that's going to be the key to me, Danny Hurley, getting him back in shape, but protecting him so he's healthy when it matters most. Doug, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I knew you had that shit and you grin on your face, but you wanted to talk about Doster, and you should. Uh, first thing is, you know, Danny took to Twitter to thank Ample. That was awesome, that atmosphere. And it, it's kind of a cool thing when you get the snowstorm in the Northeast where, you know, and this is why having an on-campus facility and college basketball is special because even when no one else can get there, the students can get there, you know? And they were camping out and it was like 17 degrees. So obviously it helps when you want a national championship, but uh, that play, I don't think uh, that was a hard place to win for a lot of people tonight. And they weren't, UConn wasn't great offensively. Castle didn't play great offensively, but they just like, Creighton's a hard team to guard because they, they usually put three to four out there that can really score. And I thought they did a great job of running them off the line and pressuring them six for 26 from three. I mean, that, that's how you beat Creighton. And, and, you know, Creighton didn't shoot good from two, do, shouldn't do well, shoot well from two either. So I thought their defense was championship level. I thought the crowd was championship level. And, you know, this feels, I know the second Butler team didn't win the national title. But when we look back over like amazing stuff in college basketball, the fact that after losing Gordon Hayward, they went back to the national championship game, lost ironically to UConn, right? That's kind of the feel I get from this team, which is like, you know, they don't have a Jordan Hawkins. They, they, you don't have as much true offensive production as you had last year at the five because Klingon's been in and out of the lineup, but he's not as developed an offensive player. But this may be an equally good team right? They're really a team. And being able to win a game in your 60s when you don't shoot well, and granted, I, I don't think Creighton's nearly what their preseason building would have told you, but that doesn't matter. This is about UConn. Consider me impressed. I mean, I'd, can you win a game in the mud? Lots of teams with talent can win games in the 80s and 90s. Can you win a game in the mud? And their answer is yes. That was a good win. Yeah, the, the thing that really impressed me, Doug, was the the effort on the defensive end of the floor the knock on this team um to me is their ability to stop penetration uh with guards that are able to get to the rim and get to the basket right their ability to chase people off of screens cam spencer tristan newton alex caravan um i think even solo ball you could put in that conversation are not great perimeter defenders they're fine they're good positionally they know how to rotate and scramble and, and uh, follow a scouting report, but if you just got them isolated on an island, that's not what their strength is. Um, and sure. we saw that when they didn't have clinging on the floor. You know, they, they people get to the rim, you don't have the great wall of Bristol there erasing everything around the basket. And having him back certainly helped. But I thought their ability to run Creighton out of what they wanted to run, like they blew up every ball screen. Um, they were able to kind of take Creighton out of the sets. They were able to take him out of the shots that get created simply by Greg McDermott having a really creative uh, offensive mind. I thought that was impressive. And then the second thing 
is uh, it was more uh, probably the first time that they really did this this season that I can remember is they went with the extreme hard hedge with Samson Johnson on ball screens whenever he was in the game, right? And they just doubled the ball handler. They got the tagger where he needed to be. They, they cut off that pass to the, to the sideline, and they basically just said, if you can make that pass to the opposite side quarter with two athletic dudes in your face, great. you got to open three if you can make that happen. And then they played drop with Donovan Klingon. And I thought what made them such a difficult matchup last year was that they could guard you two different ways defensively in ball screens and were elite at both of them when, with the Damasinogo edging hard and Donovan Klingon playing drop. And I think for the most part, they tried to get away playing drop with Samson Johnson. And it just didn't work as well. So I, I'm very curious to see where this trend moves forward for UConn. I thought that that was the, the most promising sign. And look, well, they're going to guard I, like brought, Listen, somebody brought up there, like, I don't know if people, and I think obviously this show is different than your average college basketball show, your average college basketball podcast. But to have different ball screen coverages based upon your mm-hmm. personnel is really advanced stuff. And and this is where losing Klingon for a short period of time helps you because it develops because there's going to be a time in the NCAA tournament where he's going to have two or 3,000 in the first half and you're going to have to play without him. And now they've shown they can play without him for games and they can change how they want to cover a ball screen. And that takes – Really smart, connected players. And look, I agree with you in terms of, guys, in terms of, you know, can Cam Spencer defend that defend the ball? Probably not, not his strength. But now you have two different types of bigs behind you. And obviously when you have Klingon, like, and, and look, like Creighton's not the hardest to defend. If you, it, not the most it takes toughness. And, no, they have, they have one guy on that team that can break down a defense. That's Trey Alexander, right? That's the flaw of this mm-hmm. team. They, Kind of throw four out there that can really play, and they're struggling to find a fifth guy. And of those four, really only one can break down a defense. Um, but but again, like I just I can't emphasize enough what you said there, Rob, which is accurate. Which is they're operating with two different ball screen coverages based upon personnel. And while that seems super easy to us to sit here and go like, all right, well, when you got clinging in there, you're going to drop. When you don't, you're going to a hard hedge, like. Okay, but it all has to work together. And one that's really hard with young players. It's rare to be elite at both of them, too. Like, that's the thing. Teams normally drill one style of defending a ball screen. To be elite at both of them, that to me, that's the thing that stands out. It's not even what the offense is doing. It's just it's, it's difficult to be able to have your players capable of doing those two things. And, and I mean, to me, that's right. like it's, it's, it's but You haven't had clinging yes. for most of the year. That's the impressive part. You haven't practiced right, with but, them but here's, or had them for a lot of it. But, but remember, Jeff, what Rob's talking about is it's not we, – we have a tendency, okay, to just look at big guy and point guard, and that's all ball screen coverage matters. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? If you're hard hedging, now all of a sudden, you know, somebody's got to be – you know, some, somebody's got to be tagging the roller, and then you have usually based upon what – your numbers on the weak side are, you know, who am I going to get? Whereas when you're playing in the drop, now you're staying home most of the time, you know, you're, you're maybe getting a foot in the lane. So everything is affected based upon how that big guy is playing and it affects how the point guard guards the ball and and everything else. So it's really impressive to see a team that connected and have the ability to play multiple defensive styles in the same game. That's very rare in college basketball. 
All right, Goodman, I want to go to you just kind of big picture stuff when it comes to the Big East because when we came into this season, it was basically UConn, Marquette, and Creighton and then kind of everybody else. And it was like, well, we'll see. We think there's a chance with St. John's. We think there's a chance with Providence. We think Villanova's got the pieces if they can kind of figure that stuff out. Xavier's got Sean Miller. You know, Butler's got Thad Mata. And now we're sitting here and it's like, okay, is Seton Hall for real? And then is there anybody else that can actually make noise here? What do you make of the top of the Big East and what do you make of where this conference is at this point in time? I mean, I think it is UConn and then not everybody else, but a bunch of other teams that honestly aren't separating themselves. I still have faith that Marquette can turn into that number two team. You know, that team that at least can make a run to like sweet 16, elite eight, but their margin for error isn't nearly what we may have thought it was going into the season. I'm not saying they're a three man team, but they're kind of a three man team at times. And they need Oso to be what he was last game because it takes some of the pressure off of Kolick and Cam Jones. Uh, to have to do everything. Um, you know, Seton Hall, listen, they've shocked me. They, I think they've shocked everybody other than maybe Shaheen. Uh, I, I don't know if I trust them to, to sustain this and be a team that can do some damage in the NCAA tournament. Sometimes, again, you peak at the wrong time. And, and I'm afraid that that's going to be Seton Hall at the end of the day, that they're kind of peaking at the wrong time here and, and they come down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, Creighton, I don't know, guys. I just, again, I know this is Doug's boy, Ashworth, and I love him as a kid. I just think he's better suited for the Mountain West than he is for for the Big East, period. And, and especially with that team. With that team, I just don't think he fits. I, you know what I, it is? Listen, I, I, listen I, I, I agree with you, okay? I mean, you know, I, I, I counseled him a little bit on where he was looking at. And, you know, his thing was like, hey, I want to play point guard. I want to show I can guard point guards. I want to shoot, right? And like, okay, you know, like I, I, I would have liked a right. team. And I think he could have – I think he can. And he's he's a good player. I mean, he still – he had 15 a night. Like, I mean, he can really, really shoot. But um, uh, Northwestern, by the way, just held on to beat Maryland. Um, Tamir Young had a heck of a game, but – did not score in that, on that last bucket. So missed a shot and, and they end up losing. But um, uh, but I would generally I, – if they had one more athletic ball handling guard, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think some of it is level, Jeff. That's fair. Okay, because, I mean, like, look, there's, there's, there's just different levels. And I understand what – you're sitting at home, you're like, wait a second, the Mountain West might get five or six teams in. It's a really good league. It is yeah. – um, but you know, he was playing the two really when he was in the Mountain West too. He wasn't necessarily playing the point. And but yeah, most of those Mountain West teams have two small guards. So uh, there's just a different level of overall athleticism. Uh, actually, the game's not you over. Three point six seconds. So, uh, you know, you know what uh, Creighton needs. The, if Trey Alexander was like ten percent more athletic, where you could be able to rely on him to be able to get a paint touch against anybody that was defending him, right? Like, that's my biggest thing is that they need to kind of scheme everything to be able to get shots. If you look at UConn and look at Creighton, like, the rosters really aren't all that different in terms of the way they're built. They got the big rim-protecting center. They got a bunch of guys in the perimeter that are good positional defenders. They funnel everything into the big fella on defense. They run a lot lot of, like, 
elaborate offensive sets to try to scheme threes and scheme ways to be able to get Kling and roll into the rim. They're not all that different. To me, the difference is UConn's got a guy in Steph Castle where if you need a paint touch and you want to let someone go one-on-one, he can kind of go make that stuff happen. And well, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a high-major-level athlete. That, that's, he's a high-major-level yeah. point guard. He's only a freshman. That, that's, like, that's his fatal flaw, if you will. But I, I would also tell you, like, look, we can put fit. it. UConn's pieces. Yeah, I mean, like, fit like, look, Ma- Mason. Did a great but, but part of it is, Doug, you, you and I, Mason Miller. You and I talked about. Look, I think Mason Miller in I, two years, Mason Miller in two years will be good enough. Sure. I, sure. I, I, I don't think you're not getting. You're literally not getting anything there. Okay. Hey, give, you're, you're not, give, you got nothing there say. tonight. Before we go to break, listen. Give UConn's assistant coaches and staff a ton of credit. Because what they've done is not just throw together a bunch of really good players. They've thrown together a bunch of really good players that fit well together and play off each other well. That's yes. what they've yeah, now listen, Now, listen, you, you, part of it is uh, talent, talent uh, eval, but some of it is also talent acquisition, and some sure. of that comes down to money, yeah. right? Again, Creighton has and money luck. And, and luck. And look, and look, everybody wants to be part of a winner, right? Everybody wants to be part of a winner. Creighton capitalizes on the fact that one, they, they got some good NIL, great following, but everybody wants to shoot threes. That's what that's what they do. Um, yeah, the one thing look, I will say I, if to they that, had, if, uh, if this team had Kaluma, they could win the Big East. They're a guy short. A little bit of a different story. Yep, and and the one thing that I will say is sometimes not having all the money in the world isn't necessarily the worst thing because if UConn did. They'd have Nick Timberlake instead of Cam Spencer right now. Listen, when we get back, we got to talk about Kentucky. We got to talk about Auburn. We got to talk about Tennessee. The top of the SEC is a lot of fun and really good. I'll tell you who the best team is. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up and the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I got Jeff Goodman with me. I got Doug Gottlieb here with me. And it's time for us to dive into the SEC. Uh, Auburn rolled Vanderbilt. Um, Tennessee last night picked up a nice win. Dalton Connect went for 39. There may not be a player in the country that is playing better right now than Dalton Connect. But guys, the place that we need to start is a place that we always have to start in the SEC, and that is with the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, they beat Mississippi State 90-77 to tonight. Antonio Reeves, it was his night to go off. Um, I think what was most impressive to me, Jeff, is that this is a Mississippi State team that was coming off of a nice win that had Tolu Smith back that looked like they were starting to figure some things out under Chris Jans, and Kentucky just – beat the brakes off of him in the first half. This wasn't really a game after about the first 15 minutes or so. So uh, is there anything that we can take away from this Kentucky team from this win? And where do they stand to you in the SEC pecking order? Because I think that, look, the more I watch them play, I think it's Kentucky and Auburn at the top of that conference with all due respect to Tennessee. You know, obviously I I like this team so much better kind of as you go through the season. And and they were good early. but they've got so many weapons. That's what you like about them, right? They've got four guards. They can afford to have a guy or two have an off night, even up front now. You know, Trey mm-hmm. Mitchell and Aaron Bradshaw. Kind of pick what you want, what fits uh, the matchup maybe. If Bradshaw is not playing well, he got in foul trouble a couple of games ago, you still have Trey Mitchell. You don't have to play, you know, Trey Mitchell 30 minutes anymore. But on a night like tonight, you can play him 28 minutes and he was effective. Uh, Reeves is their veteran. Uh, you know, to me, again, it, it's just they've got so many guys who can make plays off the bounce. And Cal got his 400th win tonight. Uh, big win for him. And this this is just a team that, again, has such high upside. You And I don't think they're – honestly, I think a lot of these freshman teams, when they get to the tournament, they're going to be like eye-opening for them. I don't think this is one of those teams because I think Dillingham and, and Reed Shepard in particular aren't going to be phased. And DJ Wagner probably won't be phased because, again, because of his lineage 
a little bit. His dad, his grandfather, he's kind of been around it uh, his whole life. So I, I really like this team. I'm not sure they're going to win the SEC, but I think they're going to be right there with Tennessee and probably Auburn. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that Auburn, I still – listen, they, they pounded Vandy today. I like Auburn. I still want to see more from Auburn against the top SEC teams. Yeah. Doug, okay, well, I mean, you know, you, uh, Kentucky or Auburn, let's start with Kentucky. I mean, as, mm-hmm. as as you guys both know, I'm a fan. I love that you have basically, you know, three or four freshmen for two spots, right? And it's who's ever, who's ever hooping, right? Dillingham came in, gave him 16 off the bench. Reed Shepard was okay, was solid, didn't do much, you know, didn't make mistakes, made a couple shots, and and you end up winning. And then you know you have you have the you have the older guys. I thought Trey Mitchell was great tonight, right? I mean, that's he's an old ass man, and he had that kind of experience. So it's a nice mix. I don't think I probably don't win the SEC. They still remember they got to go back to Stark Vegas, go to Tennessee. I think last game of the year that'll be a zoo. Um, they survived at Florida last week. That was a good win because those are the type of teams. Those are the type of wins that usually that's how you win, win or lose a league, right? It's a Florida team that you're better than, but it's at their place and they play well. Um, but I, I really like this group. I really like this group. And, like, look, Reeves and Mitchell are older players that can carry them, and then they just need one of the freshmen to step up and make plays. They're still pretty pretty thin. You know, you only played eight guys tonight, but you only need five to play. I like them. I don't – I think they're less likely to win the SEC – than they are to go on a Final Four run, if, if that if that makes sense. No, I and agree. It's a little bit I, think like what, I think that's the perfect way to phrase it, Doug, because I, I'm I'm curious your take on this. I am a little worried about them on the defensive end of the floor. I, I think there are nights yeah. where they're trying to win games in the 80s or 90s, and I don't know if they could do, like, for example, what UConn did tonight and win a game that gets played in, like, the 50s and the 60s and is an ugly, messy, sloppy slugfest. Right. There's there there's the one thing about the SEC is there's not a lot of slug pests in that league. Right? Just stylistically, mm-hmm. that's a league that's a lot up and down. There's nobody that really loads loads up defensively. It's just not the style of the league. But I agree with you. I, I just think there's a level of physicality usually in league play that doesn't exist in tournament play. Tournament play is usually a lot more freer. And I also I don't I don't know I don't think it's the lineage, Jeff. I think it's like those are main court guys. All those freshmen are main court guys. And what I mean yeah, is – Yeah, that's what I meant. You go to the big, number one right? player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, I like love, that, I love that shit doesn't fade. I love the, hold on, Doug, explain that real quick because people don't understand what you what, what you meant right there. And this is my When you go to a big AAU event, right, there's a main court and there's an aux gym, right? Like, DJ Wagner ain't never played in the aux gym. Like, when he gets a game in the aux gym – Something's wrong with his hamstring or his ankle. Like, eh, whatever. He just comes down. I just no, want to no, get to it. In the main he gym. The bus. He, he missed the bus if they're in the Oxford. No question. And and most of those kids, are they've been main court guys their whole lives, right? They don't know any better. Like, what do you mean there's games at 9 a.m.? I don't play 9 a.m. AAU games. I play main court games at the right time. And so, you know, it's like I had to – Doster, I had to tell uh, Jeff today – what a clean neck game was and why it was important. Like you play in the main court, your neck's got to get cleaned up. You know, when you play Kentucky, your neck better be clean because everybody's going to watch when you play Kentucky. This is a clean neck game. Like these are real things, Jeff, but yeah, it's what you got to get a main court. You got to make you look good. Yeah. 
You don't, um, doesn't I, have to you be a haircut. Wanna... Haircut sometimes can screw up the whole rhythm, but the neck's got to be clean. You can't have like one of these furry necks where your back hair, you're like, no, you didn't know we were on TV tonight. Yeah, just right so, there, man. That's the worst. That's the worst. You got to get the edge up. I, I do want to ask you guys Anyway, this. go ahead. Well, no, just so we know what Kentucky is, right? And we know how good they can be. We've seen their ceiling. Auburn is one of these teams, Jeff, that the metrics love, and they haven't necessarily put together the kind of resume that would justify where their metrics are. Another team in the same same boat as that is Alabama. Metrics love them. They haven't necessarily love put them. together a resume that is uh, that is deserving of being top 10 in, in uh, Ken Palm, and I think they're way up there in the net as well. So – who do you like more? Is it Auburn? Is it Alabama? They are both sitting at 4-0 and right now at the top of the SEC. It is crazy. I mean, you look at it in, in Ken Palm, Auburn's 4, Alabama's 8, and you're like, who's Alabama really beaten? Right? Who have they really beaten? And I talked to Nate the other night, and he knows that. He's like, yeah, we really haven't beaten anybody big yet. He likes his team. I think if you ask Bruce – he likes his team, too. I don't think either one loved their team. You know, again, both teams are kind of built, you know, around some mid-major transfers to some extent, transferring up and getting older. And obviously, Bruce has got a, a really good young freshman quasi-point guard in Aiden Holloway. Um, I don't know who I like better yet. Is that wrong to say? Like, I'm not there yet. I think it's Auburn. But again, I'm just I'm not sure yet until they go through the gauntlet because Auburn Auburn didn't play as good a non-conference schedule. We know that. Alabama played a tougher mm -hmm. non-conference schedule, but they just didn't win those games. So how is that going to impact them going forward uh, now and prepare them compared to maybe Auburn, you know, won a lot of games against some teams that honestly weren't quite as as talented as what Alabama played. Yeah, the, the wild thing is that the best win that either of those two teams have right now is probably at Mississippi State, which Alabama did on Saturday, or uh, or Texas A&M um, at home. Doug, do you have an opinion? Auburn, Alabama, who's better? I'm gonna take, can I tell you next Wednesday night? Because I'm doing the game for radio, <laughs> for, for Compass Radio. They play each other. at And, and I've, I've done the game. It's the third straight year I've done the game, right? And two years mm -hmm. ago. It was Auburn because they had the best player in the country. And then last year it was Alabama because Alabama had the best player in the country. So this year, I'm, I'm fascinated to see it. I, I, here's what I think. Because neither, hey, neither one has a, a star. Neither one has a star. Down. Right. It's, it's a very different, yeah. very different makeup of their teams. Very different makeup of their teams. Um, and I would, I would guess, like, there was a lot of nonsense with that Alabama team last year that, that I know that that Nate wasn't even like this is a lot like you know I don't know dealing with all this stuff. Um, I don't think Bruce had that two years ago, but when you have the number one player thing, it just the level of attention and you can get away from who you are. Like both these teams are playing like their coaches really want them to play. Like Nate's really analytics analytics driven, and that's how they play offensively. Um, you know, and and Bruce's team. This is like a classic Auburn team where. They may turn it over 20 times. You don't know why. And then you look up and they win the game. It's a weird deal. But I think the big thing is one of you guys, I think, Jeff, you kind of nailed it, which is, hey, look, until you show me you beat Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, on uh, Auburn, Alabama, one of those on the road or two of them on the road. That's who I actually think 
Tennessee probably wins the league, right? Because again, they have yep. they have the best score in the league, and they're the best and most physical defensive team in the league, and they're pretty good at point guard, and they're really well coached. But again, this gets back to Tennessee's more likely to win the league. Kentucky's more likely to go on a Final Four run because what it takes to win the league and what it takes to win the tournament are oftentimes two different things. All right. Well, listen, Doug, that's a perfect segue because I need to tell you guys about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is the place you can store your predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. Go download the Vaulted app, V-L-T-E-D, to challenge your friends, store your predictions, and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. Here's what I'm saying, guys. I'm saying that Kentucky is going to end up winning this this conference. They're going to end up winning the regular season title. Uh, they are going to find a way to be able to get this done. Goodman, it sounds like you disagree with me. You accept my challenge. I do accept your challenge, and I'm going to go with Douglas on this one and take the uh, the Vols. I, I just think they're older. Um, you know, again, look at Dalton Connect. What is he? he's got to be 23, you know, years old. Uh, Josiah James got to be 23 years old. Santiago's got to, you know, they're just, they're older across the board. We know they guard, and now they've got a go to guy. Now, again, if Dalton Connect doesn't score, they're going to play in the, in the, in the low 60s. So you're telling me that if uh, Dalton Connect has a disconnect, Tennessee is going to end up losing. Listen, uh, when we get back, I will stop with the bad puns. Uh, we need to talk about the Big 12. We need to talk about what's going on at the top of that league, and we have to get into Houston absolutely boat racing Texas Tech. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Oh, what happened? Welcome back to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on YouTube. We are live over on Stadium. We are presented by our partners over at BetMGM. My name is Rob Doster. I have Doug Gottlieb. I have Jeff Goodman. And we have to dive into the Houston Cougars. They snapped a two-game losing streak tonight. Their first two-game losing streak since February of 2022. 
almost two full years uh, since they lost back-to-back games by absolutely beating up on Texas Tech. They won that game by 23. It felt like that thing was over three possessions into the second half. Uh, Houston looked like an entirely different animal defensively. And I'm just kind of curious, Doug, where do you where do you stand on this Houston team? Because I, I go back and forth on them. On the one hand, we know how good they are defensively. We know how good they are on the glass. We know that they do all of the stuff that Houston does. And this may be the best like Houston team that we've seen uh, during this run that Kelvin Sanderson has put together. At the same time, I, I just it's hard for me to wrap my head around a team that wants to win games by getting offensive rebounds and forcing steals being in the same conversation as some of these other national title contenders. And I know Houston's number one on Ken Palm. They're number one on the net. They're number one all over the place. Where do you stand on Kelvin Sampson's team right now? Um, I think they have a lot of really good basketball still in them. Probably their best basketball still in them. They haven't figured out. They haven't figured out exactly how they want to be offensively. You know, I mean, you go back to the TCU game and, Cryer kind of struggled, and uh, Sharp was just okay. I mean, really, the, their best offense was Roberts getting it off the off the off the rim and putting it back. Mm-hmm. That's, like you said, it's a hard way to live, but that's how they're going to play. Like that's kind of who Kelvin's teams are, and eventually that stuff kind of works, right? Defense toughness and just enough shot making. Um, you know, I, I thought when he got. Like I thought there was a lot of good, actually, you could take from the TCU game, you know, having uh, Damian Dunn come in and, and play as well as he did. And then it kind of all came together tonight. Look, this league is an absolute monster. Absolute monster. And, Jeff, I saw you shaking your head when Rob asked if, if the Big 12 could get 11 teams in. And you're like, I mean, t- show me the bids from the Pac-12 that are locked in. You know, show it to me. I'd love to see it. You know, look at yeah. look at no, the I Big Twelve, it. and I, it's yeah. I mean, like we have to find sixty-eight teams, from. right? Right. And where are they coming from? And like, there's right now, unless you lose to Oklahoma State or Texas to West Virginia, there's no bad losses, only good wins. No, like literally, I just, I only good wins. Texas, I like Texas tonight. Again, you lose at home to UCF. That's not going to help them. They're going seventeen-point lead. In, they, they, they might get a first four bid at the end of the day. Like, I, yes, I could see them getting, you know, 10. I think 10 is probably the number we're looking at for, for the Big 12 at the end of the day, uh, just because I think they're going to knock each other out towards the bottom there. Uh, but you're right. Like, where are you finding these bids? The ACC is not very good. The Pac-12 stinks. Yeah, the Mountain West probably going to get five at the end of the day. You know, SEC is going to get a bunch. They are. They're going to get a bunch. And then where else you're at? Big East. How many you taking? I mean, how many you taking? You got to fill out a, a a bracket, and that's that's always the hardest part at this point. Because you're I, looking I, around I and you're like, where are these resumes? Like, where where are these I, resumes? You know, if, even if we, if we circle back to what Rob, to Auburn, what Rob was, Alabama. Go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. Well, if we circle back to what Rob was talking about, okay. So where am I in Houston? So. Look, this is the change when you go from the American to the Big 12, right? You mm-hmm. just – in the American, you can have a game where you can't throw it in the ocean and you can find a way to survive, you know? Whereas here, you go to Iowa State and you just can't score. And by the way, Iowa State is tougher than hell. I know they got 
they got beat bad by BYU. Okay, but Iowa State is I mean they rebound they they they're just tough. I mean TJ's done a great job with that team. The difference is like literally almost just about every night. Like you can't screw around with these teams because everybody's got players because everyone spent money and most of them are all older as well. Right. So, um, I mean, for, for me, for Houston, again, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. I know what you're saying. They got to figure out a little bit more offense if they want to win in March. Um, the defense usually carries you through the first weekend. They got to get Cryer going. They got it. This is like been two weeks now. I understand, and but it's also it's in the Big Twelve where everybody knows him, right? He's also he's at the top of the scouting report. And by the way, when he was at Baylor last year, like they weren't that good. Why? Because he doesn't really guard, and he likes now he's being he's got no choice that you got to guard, and so that dramatically changes kind of your rhythm as a player. But I think a lot of it is, you know, the, the familiarity that everybody has with his game, and the fact that if you're honest, you do a, a scout on Houston. There's not a lot of intricate stuff they do offensively. They just kind of play and give them basic structure and, hey, if we miss it, we'll go get it. And if you get it, then we'll take it from you, right? That's kind of the – that's the general philosophy. And I, I think that th- this that's a hard way to live in this league. Um, so I'm with you, Rob, in that. But but I do – I still like them, um, but I, I don't – who wins this league is going to be weird because can't – like, again, I know Oklahoma State is not very good. But that looked like a league champion last night. They just they just came out. They were up 10-2. That game was over. And Texas, Kansas doesn't have great depth. They basically have four dudes. And, you know, Furphy makes shots. Now they, they have four and a half. But they know who they are. Houston's still trying to figure out who they are offensively. And I think that's the difference in those two teams. If we want to talk yeah. about this league, the team that's most interesting is going to be Texas. Because there's nothing in their non-conference that says they're they're an NCAA tournament team, and it's not just that they lost to UCF. They lost at home to UCF, up 17, and they lost to West Virginia, who hasn't really been. They they battle a little bit with OU tonight, but West Virginia has been down there with Oklahoma State in terms of the bottom of the league. Like we Texas hadn't even gotten into the meat of the schedule yet. And they dropped. The imagine, last two. imagine where Texas would be right now if Max A. Smith doesn't hit a game winner against Louisville and doesn't hit a game yeah. winner at at Cincinnati. Those are the two shots that are the reason why Texas right now is still in the mix as an NCAA tournament caliber team. And I'll be honest, I, mean, th- I don't think, think about UCF think about this. Is a million miles away from the bubble. UCF has a win over Kansas and has a win Kansas. at Texas. Yeah, they, yeah, they're they're not a million think, miles away think, from the bubble. Think about what's. Either. This is what's left. By the way, this is what uh, Texas has coming up. Okay, and by the way, the Cincinnati win was you know by one point. Like Cincinnati's kind of a surprise team in this league. They got Baylor at home. They go to OU, to BYU, Houston at home at TCU. <laughs> <laughs> then they have another stretch of the season where Iowa they go State. at Houston, K State, at Kansas, at Tech, uh, oh at Baylor. Good luck, like, man. Right. Good luck. No, somebody's going to go on like a seven-game losing streak in this league. Somebody's going to be on, yeah. and it might be your your Oklahoma State team, uh, but it might be somebody. It might be somebody in the hunt for an NCAA tournament berth right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's. it's I mean it's, it's, it's a nuts it's league, but 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 what what? Right. Yeah. 
and, and what and usually these leagues like you're like okay we got this team once we got it twice like there's just not a lot of easy nights i i don't you know i i don't know if there's only one team that's really struggling right now and losing by big numbers so and i i actually think and remember they oklahoma state had baylor dead to rights you know week one mm-hmm. of the of the conference schedule so it's it's nuts what this league has become. And and here's here's you guys help me if you like this. People ask like why is it the best league? Well, one you got incredible coaches. You have resources. But so does the SEC, but the SEC gets a lot of these kids on the first run out of high school and then they'll have them transfer back, you know. So they're kind of in this really interesting mid mid where they have some in Big 12 transfers. You have some from the SEC. You have some coming up from the mid-majors um, and a little bit of homegrown talent. And then, you know, when Kansas can go out and get the probably the highest price dude in the portal, that saves their team. Um, it's a really interesting league. But, man, is it talented. Man, is it tough. And also the Texas schools, which you go back 10 years ago, struggle to put people in their building. Baylor now with a smaller building and a new one fills it up. Texas with a new building that's smaller, they fill it up. TCU with a new building and some winning, they fill it up. So there's no real games once you go in outside of one or two places and you feel like there's no home court advantage. So it's a yeah. – and, and Houston, right? Houston was here, – here's how – it's amazing we're talking about can they win a national championship. I would say – what do you think, Jeff? Ten years ago, eight years ago? Right, Randall Dickey was. I mean, uh, James Dickey was the coach there. He was a really good coach, and um, it was friends and family. Like you go there, hard. you could literally walk up. You could walk up and check into a game if you brought your sneakers. There was nobody there, and that place no, is I cool now. And yeah, it was terrible, terrible. And and but but the whole state has changed. The whole state has changed in the last fifteen years. I mean, remember, like, when Scott Drew kind of came in the first few years, he's trying to get this thing going. Took him a little while. Obviously, you know, again, Texas with Barnes. Like, like the state just put out a lot of, of homegrown talent starting probably when I started doing recruiting 20, 25 years ago. And, uh, and it hasn't really stopped. Yeah, and you didn't even mention, Doug, Texas Tech and how good that building can be when it gets loud and when they are playing well um, at home. As it stands right now, I just want to – we kind of took stock of the Big East. We took stock of the SEC. Kansas is in first place, tied with Baylor, tied with Texas Tech, tied with Kansas State all at 3-1. and one. And you got Houston, BYU, Iowa State, Oklahoma, TCU, Cincinnati, and UCF sitting there at 2-2. Two and two. So, Doug, I'm putting you on the spot. Who's winning the Big 12 regular season title? And who is the most likely team to make a tournament run Final four run out of the Big 12, and are they the same team? Uh, I mean, I, how could I pick against Kansas to win this league? You can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, the standings it's right like, now. It's like Ross and Rachel. You know they're going to end up together in the end, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great reference. <laughs> Goodman, who you got? So, yeah, I mean, Kansas. But, but again, here's what I'll say is, we, we, you know, I love putting these standings out right now, you know, whoever's taught, well, they're, they're, they're leading the league. Like, I don't care yet. I just don't care who's in front yet because it's all about if your schedule's front-loaded or back-loaded. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, I will just say I think Baylor is the team that I'd be most worried about 
uh, in the NCAA tournament, finding a way to make a run for the same reason that we really like Kentucky. They got a bunch of guys that can get hot and can carry different teams on different nights. Listen, we talked about a lot of great wins that happened tonight. We got to talk about the bad losses as well. Miami took one, Nebraska took one, and Ole Miss took one. That's coming up next. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content, and is subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the fieldof68.shop. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Friday evening. I'm sorry, the Wednesday evening edition Friday. of the Halo 68 after Friday. Uh, I got Jeff Goodman, I got Doug Gottlieb, my name is Rob Doster, and I just spent the entire break. Uh, flexing about how good my tease was, and I come back and I say the wrong day. It's one of those nights, Jeff. It is what it is. Listen, we got to talk about some of the bad losses that happened in the world of college basketball tonight. And we're going to start with Ole Miss because Ole Miss came in 15-1. and They came in the number 22 team in the country, but they also came in a team that hadn't really proven that they should be the number 22 team in the country in terms of the quality of the teams that they've beaten. They beat Memphis, and I don't think there really is all that much else Super impressive. Um, they go on the road to LSU, who, to their credit, is now 3-1 and one in the SEC, a game out of first place. What do you make of Ole Miss? What happened at LSU? And uh, do we do you have any feel for what this team is yet at this point? 
Um, I mean, the numbers are just, again, Chris Beard took over, new program, bunch of new dudes, didn't know if he was going to have Cissé um, or, or uh, Brandon uh, Murray eligible, gets him eligible recently. They played. He, he always plays kind of a soft non-conference schedule, though. I mean, that's kind of what he's done, right? He doesn't go and play in the MTEs. He does these MTEs uh, at their their home uh, at their home venue. You know, I listen to me. You're gonna get penal at the end of the day, unless you get kind of in the top four or five of the SEC. You're probably gonna get penalized at the end of the day because that's what the selection committee has done over the last few years with these teams that don't really schedule tough and they're on the bubble. Um, now, again, we Doug and I have talked about it ad nauseum. Like, Beard's as good a coach as there is X's and O's in the country. Preparation, pushing the right buttons with players, all of that. Um, I, I just – yeah, I don't I don't think – again, Cissé and Sharp, to me, do not fit together at all. They gave them one point tonight. Good defense, but – Really not, because they gave up a ton of points to an average, and that's being kind, LSU team. Yeah, honestly, Doug, I feel like with those two at the five and the length and athleticism on, on the perimeter, I feel like Mississippi should be better than they've been on the defensive. Yes, I agree, okay, but it's really hard because neither of those guys can score if you lock them in the gym, right? <laughs> like – <laughs> Musa Cisse is this is fourth year in college basketball. He is not a good, he is a great defensive rim protecting center. Great. But he can't he not doesn't have great hands and he thinks he can score at the block and he can't. But here's here's another thing that I agree with you guys. Hold on, real quick. Who, who, who wins the three point shooting contest? Musa Cisse, Jamarian Sharp, or Jeff Goodman? I'd win that. I would win that. Making one out of I ten, know. I think I'd win that. That contest. I don't think you make. I one can out make of one of ten. I think America would lose. No, America would win. America would win. Watching, watching. Me no, I mean America would lose. Just the idea of all three of you out in the floor, like, oh, oh boy. By the way, my <laughs> no, percentage is not great. I shouldn't be talking shit to begin with, right? So, okay. Um, I, I, I'll first in terms of the schedule, okay. Look, it's his first year there. You don't know what you got. You got a whole new team. Sure. You're not going to roll out and go like, hey, guys, let's go play Nova and UConn. And, like, nobody does that. So, um, but don't I, cry I don't think his expectation. Doug. Doug, don't cry when you don't get in at the end of the year. That's all. Okay, that, we, let's, that's like, let's get – we, I understand, okay? But that's more like Jamie Dixon – that's like more Jamie right, Dixon right. when he was at Pitt yes. and now at TCU. Now, like I get it. No, no, I, now I would now I would I would support Jamie in that Jamie's like, why do I gotta play somebody when I play eighteen games or twenty games and every one of them's a quad one win, quad sure. one game in the Big Twelve, right? So but I agree with you. It's gonna hurt you seed wise or getting into the tournament. It should. Wait, wait, can, can, hold on one sec. Hold on one sec. With Jamie Dixon, we didn't know that because nobody thought Cincinnati was gonna be any good. BYU was gonna be any good. So, like, nobody thought the Big 12 was going to be this good, right? Nobody. And to go out and schedule the way he did, he got really fortunate here that his numbers supported it. TJ's numbers supported it, even though they didn't get good wins in the non-conference at all. They just pounded crappy teams. Okay, well, let me – let me. I'll defend Beard for a second here, okay? First, this is his first year. 
Okay. Second, it's a brand new team. Okay. Sure. And third, if you look at the schedule, okay, it's everybody plays six games that you, you should win. Right? Like, I don't, like, we all compare, like, well, did you play bottom 200 or bottom 300? Like, who cares? You're in the SEC, you're spending $2 million in your NIL. You're going to beat whoever you play in those six guaranteed games, right? Whether it's Sam Houston, you know, yeah. uh, or whatever. They played NC State, Memphis, Central Florida on the road, uh, Cal. They played at Temple, at UCF, uh, at Southern Miss. It's not the world's worst schedule. It was, fine. It's, it was okay. It was fine. It, yeah. It's fine. It's not great. They're not that good. Now, here's the other part, though. It's really hard to coach a team when you have one team and you're waiting on guys to get eligible, and then they get eligible and you're like, hey, now you got two more guys. You know, I, I don't think and Brandon like Murray most, helps them. I think getting Brandon Murray hurt them at the end of the day. I correct. Think he hurt them. Correct. And and like again, uh, they were they have a rim protecting five. Yes. Already. Moose is yes. better. Already have one. But it also screws up your locker room. Because dudes were thinking, oh. I'm coming in getting 30 minutes, 35 minutes. Now you're like, now I'm coming in getting 15 or 20 minutes. So it's right. it's very different. Um and you know, like kind of like we talked about with the Big Twelve, like the SEC, everybody's got dudes. Okay, everybody's got dudes. There, it's not as consistent a league. Um, it's a, a lot more uh, up and down. It's not as they they don't screw down games nearly as much. My guess would be Chris will figure out his team. I don't think this team was thought was going to be an NCAA tournament team to begin with. Um, but how, what do I think of them? I think they got exposed at Tennessee, right? Like Tennessee kicked their ass up and down the court. And I'm sure Chris like hated it, but loved it. Cause that's what he wants his program to look like. It's just not going to happen in year one. It's just not. So I think they're better than anybody could have thought. I think there's some trappings of double transfers and also getting guys who tran who they get eligible mid season. And I think they're trying to figure it out. And again, it's really hard sometimes to play when you have a guy or two that can't score at all on offense. And the worst part is when they think they can score. That's even worse. All right, Goodman, uh, another ugly loss that happened tonight. And I don't know if it's necessarily the worst loss uh, in the world, but Nebraska, a team that on, I guess it was last Wednesday, I think it was a week ago today actually, um, picked off number one Purdue, goes on the road, to the rack and loses at Rutgers. What do you make of the Cornhuskers now? You know, I think they're going to be right there on the bubble at the end of the day. I think a, a bunch of these Big Ten teams, not named Purdue, not named Wisconsin, maybe Illinois, we'll see still, uh, are going to be fighting to get in. And they're all going to, they're going to get in, but they're going to get crappy seats. You know, they're all going to be dogs going into the first round of the NCAA tournament. I, I hope Hoiberg gets in. Um, I think they'll get in. But, again, you, you kind of got to win this game at Rutgers if you want to be a lock NCAA tournament team. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. Doug, you got any thoughts on Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, I think Styles kind of make the fight, right? The the mm -hmm. rink mask kid hit, hit a couple threes and really stretched out Purdue. But, you know, you know, like, I don't know, they got smashed by Iowa uh, last Friday, and then you lose to Rutgers. Um, yeah. We, we we know who Nebraska is, right? Like, Nebraska is 
kind of a finesse team. You know, they run beautiful offensive stuff. They want to shoot threes. They want to stretch you out. Um, um, there are some teams that plays right to their strength, but uh, I think they'll be, again, squarely on the bubble. They got to show they can win a road game. I mean, you lose – it's not just that you lose three road games. Rutgers, one of the worst teams in the league. I was bottom of the league, and they lost by 18, and they lost by 16 to Wisconsin. They haven't been close. On the other hand, they beat K-State badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's a little schizo. It's a little bit based upon the st- styles that make the fight. And uh, they'll be a hard one, hard one to judge because they were cruising along until they got to league play on the road here after Gen 1. All right, Goodman, let's get the toast of the night before we head over to last call. Who do you got? Who are you toasting? Who are you celebrating tonight? All right. First of all, i got to celebrate my guy, George Niang, in the NBA. He had 33 points tonight. You know how many shots he missed? One from the field. He missed one from the field. He was 13 of 14, five of six from three. My boy, George Niang. Second one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toast John Calipari, his 400th win. Uh, milestone win. Didn't know if he'd make it to 400 at Kentucky after last year. Um, you tried to again, fire him in the office. He's got a fun team. Can't wait to see where they go. Doug, toast of the night. What do you got? Uh, my toast of the night. Can you come back to me? You go with your toast of the night. I'll get mine. I know you like to go last, but I got one more. Yeah, so my uh, my toast of the night is Philip Alston from Loyola Chicago. One of the best stories in college basketball. Uh, had a game-winning and one buzzer beater as Loyola Chicago improved to four and one in the A-10 with a win over UMass. The first game that Sister Jean was at this season. Go ahead, Doug. Toast the night. Uh, my toast of the night here. It's uh, uh, it's going to be to UCLA basketball. Actually, to their scholarship basketball players who thought they were going to have to find a new home. Apparently, they get to stay in Westwood <laughs> because they've now won two games in a row, beating Washington and Arizona State after getting humiliated by Utah and Mick Cronin saying, I don't know if anybody's going to have a scholarship when they show up. Congrats, boys. You get to come back to work tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. Come back win, too. Listen, this has been the Field of 68 after dark. It was a fun show. We had a lot to get through. We got through it all. We are now heading over to the Stadium app and the Stadium YouTube channel for Last Call. We'll be answering all of your questions for the next 30 minutes.